When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So halfway through this master's class, I decided that instead of documentaries, I'd focus again with the same technology on a podcast. And being a, a history biography kind of a nut, I, I came up with this idea. It's, it's called um, Some Very Famous People You've Never Really Heard Of, Bite-Sized Biographies of the Famous, the Infamous, and the Quirkies. Now, Apple iTunes is, has whittled that down to bite-sized biographies. And you can find the link at my uh, my um, webpage, someveryfamouspeople.com. But there's about 100 episodes up there now. The, the fundamental concept is I take, for instance, if you're interested in Edgar Allan Poe or Che Guevara or any number of, or Alexander Hamilton, I take that 700-page biography that you take out of the library with all good intent to read, and it sits on your night table, and you might read maybe 40 pages of it, and for whatever reason, it eventually goes back to the library. So I take that book and I reduce it to about, now it's two parts. It used to be one part, no more than an hour, but it's kind of a very condensed version of interesting people. And they are, they range from the very famous, although a lot of people say, yeah, but I've heard of those people like Poe, but I always say to those people, okay, tell me everything you know about them. And most people run out of stuff to say after about 30 seconds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson. Uh, we are following up. Yesterday, we spent a lovely hour talking to Phil, telling the story of how he was able to see Bruce very early in his career. And uh, we were having so much fun, we had to extend this to a second session. Phil, welcome back to the show. Well, it's great to be here. And uh, I, I hope you enjoyed uh, the first installment. I certainly enjoyed being here. Well, I, yes, I did. Uh, so let's, uh, you kind of talked a little bit about it. So um, you, you, epic story of seeing him at that uh, with your mysterious benefactor, right? And the open bar tab. Um, <laughs> so uh, I can't remember, is that the only time you've seen Bruce or have you seen him others? You know, I actually did see him again and I saw him at the infamous, I believe it was 1999 at the infamous Staples Center concerts. Okay. And it was infamous because I think both his fans and he really complained about the sound in the Staples Center not being horrible. And I know he played there, I think, three shows and uh, and has never played there ever again. I think now it's like the Cryptocom Center or something like that. But but uh, in any case, it was it was sort of infamous, I think, amongst his fan base. 
I, you know, I enjoyed seeing him again. Of course, it was a very different kind of a show and different circumstances. The, the one funny thing about it was I got the ticket. I went with a friend of mine, but his wife was working for uh, a person who will remain unnamed now, a very famous television star of the time has faded away a little bit. But we sat kind of in the celebrity section. So <laughs> Jamie Lee Curtis was sitting right in front of us. And uh, David Schwimmer was trying to, he was incognito almost with his wife. But it was it was kind of hilarious because, again, it was that that sort of one, you know, something you could only see in L.A. and experience only in L.A. But we were way back. We were like in the in the loge area and we weren't anywhere near the front of the stage. And it was a it was much more of us. By then he had, you know, way more material. So it was it was a lot of hits and uh, not as much not as much of the kind of obscure uh, early stuff. But, you know, a great concert, but nothing like, you know, the first time I saw him at the Roxy. Yeah. So over the years, I take it you've remained a fan, but I uh, have not taken time to see him since. Those, Yeah, those are the only two times I've seen him. I mean, again, you know, I have other performers I've probably seen more that I like, like more. But for me, you know, usually twice is, is enough. And again, having seen him under both pretty good, you know, great seats both times. It's hard to duplicate that. And I don't go to a lot of concerts now in any case. I used to live right near the Hollywood Bowl. And my wife and I would be able to walk up there and buy really inexpensive tickets and see all kinds of different artists. So the idea now that I'm going to spend hundreds of dollars and, and you know, and deal with all the hassles you have to deal for some giant arena show is just something I, especially in L.A., where you also have to deal with the traffic and parking and the hassles and all. It's For me, it's got to be something really special to get me off the couch to do that. Who all have you saw? Who all did you see at the bowl? You know, we lived we lived in the neighborhood for a good 10 years. I mean, we you know, they had classical concerts every Wednesday night, but we saw everybody from Willie Nelson, um, uh, Harry Connick Jr. There were old time rock and roll shows every year. There was a reggae festival one year with Ziggy Marley. Um, there were, uh, let's see, there was, there was always to a great eighties rock show. Like one year it was, uh, the psychedelic furs with the human league, you know, bands like that, Berlin, um, the fix all, you know, again, bands that I hadn't heard in 20 years. And interestingly enough, you know, in LA, that would be a complete sellout. I mean, it would be, you know, it would be, people would be just fired up to see, and, and I still, to this day, I can remember, you know, singing, at the top of my lungs uh, to the human leagues, don't you want me baby, which, you know, the whole place is standing. And that was the encore song. And it was, it was probably as good as any concert experience I've had. So, uh, you know, you name it, we've probably seen them at, seen them at the Hollywood bowl, you know, with some exceptions, but, and then even if you wanted to almost every year, they'd have separate Hollywood bowl shows where some bands would, would kind of rent out the bowl. And it was a little bit different. Um, I'm not sure if you know this, but at the bowl, you can bring in anything you want. Like you can bring in alcohol, uh, food, all kinds of stuff, even, even in this day and age. So it's a, it's a unique setting. It's a great place to see performers. Yeah. We, we used to have that in Dallas um, and they, they changed, right. The law, the rules changed and a, a lot of, I have a theory that 9-11 was an excuse for ballparks to go, okay, hey, maybe we should quit letting people bring in food and we'll call it for safety. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Um, So talk a little bit about 
um, you you mentioned, you, you know, you're starting to um, perhaps not want to get off the couch. What what are you doing entertainment wise now? Are you uh, are there things that live shows that get you out there? Or are you more of a watch it on TV? Well, you know, that's that's an excellent question. And, and uh, I'm 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 to the point now where I have to I let my wife pretty much select a, like she will sit down with me and say, no, like she'll say you should watch the show. And she kind of knows what my taste is. So so frequently uh, and she's a member of the Producers Guild, too. So she gets a lot of really cool you know, DVDs and invitations and stuff. But um, but. You know, I am at this point, I am kind of a homebody. I think I've probably seen in a movie theater in the last, certainly post COVID, maybe one or two movies, one of which I may talk about a little bit later, but I'm really kind of a homebody right now. I even, I even do stuff like I, I watch, uh, I'm a big ice hockey fan, NHL fan. So I have a whole package where I can watch all of those games pretty much from my couch. And that's, that's what I do. I'm not, I live in LA. I'm not a Kings fan. So maybe once a year, I might go to a Kings game. Who's your but, team? Uh, uh, I hate to bring it up now. The New York Rangers they just okay. got eliminated horribly. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. They already, they already fired their coach. That's how bad it was. Mm. A, co- I mean, a coach who had had back-to-back hundred point seasons. So it was a, uh, it was a very disappointing end to the season. Yeah. Um, so how's your wife feeling as we're recording this? It's May 10th. Um, there's a strike going on. The WGA is uh, striking. Um, how much does that affect her? Well, the, she she always was an independent producer and she's maintained okay. her her guild, her guild card. But but her her film production days are behind her, I'd have to say. She actually had okay. about 10 years in the industry. So for her, it doesn't, she's gone off in a completely different direction. She's a business consultant now. So she, she doesn't have any connection to Hollywood, but I, you know, I know some people who are greatly affected by it. And, and I know it's one of those things where if you're a, you know, if you're a member of the Teamsters union, it's hard to, it's hard to identify with some of these folks, but it's a pretty big deal in Los Angeles and it does affect production. And with each, with each passing year, you know, the, the, the various different entities, I think, are always looking for ways to save money. And, and unfortunately, writers is frequently where they start. So, Yeah, and I think also what a lot of people don't always remember is you, you hear the really successful writers or even you hear the medium, but you don't realize how much that time it takes to write that script or to get that, you know, greenlit. So there is a lot of, a lot of things pushing on that. Well, yeah, I mean, there's nothing, I I sort of dabbled in that and maybe we'll get into that a little. And my wife certainly did, but you know, if you could get anything made in Hollywood by a legitimate film studio, I mean, it's, it's an, it's an, an amazing accomplishment because it's not easy to do. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. 
with Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Yeah, it is the it it is truly right trying to push the stone up the hill and everything. You had mentioned something uh, that you wanted to talk about with a movie. What what was the story? Well, you know, it, it kind of ties into what I'm I'm really spending most of my time on now, which is a podcast. But in 2014, I actually made a documentary film. Uh, entitled The Devil and the Death Penalty, which you can now watch on YouTube. It was on iTunes for a while, okay. but now it's on YouTube. Um, my, uh, my member name on YouTube is Noblesse Oblige, but you can just Google The Devil and the Death Penalty. It's easy to find. Okay. And um, based on that experience where I had to pay people to film and edit that, that film, it was, about a, uh, it was about the dysfunctional state of the California death penalty by reliving the case of a guy named Lawrence Bittaker, who was a notorious serial murderer. In the first two minutes of the film, the prosecutor who prosecuted him and Charles Manson says that this guy Bittaker was actually worse than Charles Manson. Um, that, was, uh, that was Steve Kay, who actually worked with uh, Vince Bugliosi on the Manson case. But um, I don't want to delve too much into it, but, but what I took away from that and eventually I, I got involved in a master's class, which was, it was somewhat about social justice, but it was also about media production. And I took that class intending to basically continue to make documentaries. But a, a good way of summing up the whole documentary world is, you know, it's kind of how do you turn a large fortune into a small fortune? Because most documentaries, they usually don't get much distribution or visibility. The ones that do, it's usually a break even proposition and there's probably a half a dozen documentarians in the US who really have any kind of high profile and certainly make any money. So so halfway through this master's class I decided that instead of documentaries I'd focus again with the same technology on a podcast. And being a, a history biography kind of a nut, I, I came up with this idea. It's it's called um some very famous people you've never really heard of, bite-sized biographies of the famous, the infamous, and the quirkies. Now, Apple iTunes is, has whittled that down to bite-sized biographies, and you can find the link at my, uh, my um, webpage, someveryfamouspeople.com, but there's about 100 episodes up there now. The, the fundamental concept is I take, for instance, if you're interested in Edgar Allan Poe or Che Guevara or any number of, or Alexander Hamilton, I take that 700 page biography that you take out of the library with all good intent to read and it sits on your night table and you might read maybe 40 pages of it and for whatever reason it eventually goes back to the library so 
I take that book and I reduce it to about now it's two parts. It used to be one part, no more than an hour, but it's kind of a very condensed version of interesting people. And they are, they range from the very famous, although a lot of people say, yeah, but I've heard of those people like Poe, but I always say to those people, okay, tell me everything you know about them. And most people run out of stuff to say after about 30 seconds. And, and Poe led, you know, a fascinating, amazing life as did people like Alexander Hamilton. But if that sounds a little dry, I mean, for instance, there's some rock and roll people on there like Buddy Holly and Bob Marley. I just did one on Tom Parker, the manager of uh, Elvis Presley. Uh, Graham Parsons, who's a really wild story. I'm not sure. Are you familiar with Graham Parsons at all? Yes, I am. I remember the name and I'm looking right now. I I saw you just did. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at there's a whole section on Heroes of the Alamo. Right. Uh, you know, the... Uh, this is really, this sounds, is this because, as you were talking about, you had that itch to do do, uh, documentaries, but you thought this isn't going to work because, and this is more cost effective? Yeah, You know, it was a lot of different things, but just like we were talking about how hard it is to get a film made, you know, the doc, the way I mean, I bankrolled my own documentary because the way it usually works is you either have to go get somebody to give you a grant to make one or you work for some some entity or you have a relationship with an HBO or a Showtime or a PBS. But, you know, again, it takes years to make a really a good documentary. It's hard. You know, if you get any kind of controversial subject, people don't want to talk to you. Um, You know, and there's rights issues. There's music rights issues. It's just you know, and again, a lot of times, especially if you make a documentary about a, a socially, what is the word, controversial topic, it, I call them outrage films. And, and they're films where when most people, after they see them, they're all angry. But the thing is, the people who need to see those films and become outraged never watch them. You know, the people who the people who do watch them already kind of understand basically why they should be outraged about a certain topic. So, so to me, a lot of times they're just you just never reach an audience and based on the effort, as opposed to a podcast, I can, I know, you know, I have, and I think you have a similar audience. I mean, we're not, we're not a household word, but we do have a steady, a steady group of people who listen. And I have listeners all over the world who, you know, contact me and, and make suggestions and stuff. And it's just a totally different for me. There's just, it's just so much more kind of enriching both for me, but for my audience as well. And, and I'm fast. I had a book proposal on the same idea. Again, it was sort of untold stories of famous historical figures, and it kind of didn't go anywhere. So I just figured, you know what, I'll just make that the topic of my podcast. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Do you, how do you pick your subjects? Um, when I was, when I was, and by the way, I did for my master, this was my master's thesis initially. So I had to do a podcast with six people. I picked some people like Harriet Tubman and uh, and um, uh, some of the initial ones like John Paul Jones, Alexander Hamilton, Edgar Allan Poe. They were like they were much they were academic. You know, they were they were pretty hardcore. And um, over time, what I've done is I've tried to I've tried to adopt kind of more popular culture stuff. Like one guy, I, I don't have, did you ever see the movie The Duke starring Helen Mirren? Yes. OK, so so the guy it's about. Hempton Bunton, who steals that portrait of the Duke of Wellington by Goya. Well, I did a whole podcast on that whole incident because as much as the movie is a great movie, um, 
the the actual story is kind of you know there's there's a lot of like any Hollywood film they kind of leave some stuff out and the story itself is a lot of people didn't see that movie so they've never heard that story and it's a it's a great story um, some of the other people like true crime people like D.B. Cooper uh, Al Capone it, it it's kind of like I have a whole list that I think of well they may be good they may not be good sometimes I'll I'll pick somebody and I'll start to get about a third of the way through it. And it's, I'm just not really feeling it, you know, or I think, I don't think my listeners are going to like it, but I also try to incorporate, and I, for lack of a better term, I, I try to incorporate what I call sort of a people magazine-esque aspect to it. In other words, it's got to have some scandal or pizzazz or interest. It can't just be a very dry sort of, um, you know, almost, professorial lecture on something. It's got to have yeah. a human interest that keeps people really hooked on us. And in short, a story, you know, not, right. not a lecture. I will, I will say though, it's not really everybody's thing because I don't do chit chat. You know, I get the sense you don't really do chit chat. In other words, a lot of these podcasts, people come on and they spend like five minutes telling you what partying they did over the weekend or you know, some totally unrelated thing, even to their podcast. And I always find that to be just sort of annoying. I don't, I, I guess it's their way of endearing themselves, but I, I just get right into it. And it's, it's pretty, it's just very straightforward. You know, it's interesting, Phil, you said that um, someone um, tweeted that they wish that people would, you know, at their very beginning, say who they are and what the podcast is about. And, you know, I, I started doing that very early. You know, I, I have the same beginning every time on Set Lusting Bruce. When I do my other podcast, you know, we start out with what we're doing. Um, and I was listening to a podcast that shall remain name, uh, nameless. And um, we were six minutes in and they still were, here's how you can reach us. Here's our Patreon, you know, and. And I was, I just believe, okay, put that at the end. Like, I understand you want to say, and I do, I end my podcast with, I want to hear your feedback. Here's my email address. This is how to reach me. But I put that at the end so that if my listeners like, yeah, I don't need to hear that, they, they can move on. Um, you know, I, I, I keep thinking of my speech professor, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them, tell them what you told them, right? <laughs> and and uh, I do that. Um, I, I do want to, I'm going to listen to this, but is, is Colonel Parker the villain in the Elvis story, in your opinion? Uh, that's a, you know, that's, I answer the, does that run the story? Does that run the story? No, it doesn't at all. You know, because, you know, I, my feeling about Elvis Presley is, you know, Elvis Presley pretty much did what Elvis Presley wanted to do. Right. And he was, he, you know, I've read a lot about him. Of course, I've been fascinated by him. The other, there were many different factors that contributed, but the real, you know, you are your environment. And unfortunately, Elvis and his father, and, you know, some of the people that he was associated with, you know, they were, they were country hicks. They were very unsophisticated people. 
And they also, they were involved in something that was so much bigger than anything they could have ever imagined. And the money and the, and, and especially like his father, you know, his father was as famous in there. He was as much groupies were chasing him as much as they were chasing Elvis. Now they were, there wasn't Anne Margaret, you know, but yeah. it was, it was a different type of attention. And, and it was a very, also sort of a very backstabbing type of, of environment. And he surrounded himself with, with yes men and, and nobody, nobody made Elvis do anything. Right. And I think I, on the other hand, Tom Parker too, was a guy who I think got in over his head to the extent that he, he, he was sort of in, in some ways he made Elvis who he was. And that's what really got the Presley's impressed with him. But they felt this guy walks on water. He can't do any wrong. And yet, and yet basically he got out of his element where Elvis should have been so much more than he was. And plus you have the gambling situation, which, which is a whole nother aspect of it. So I, I, I look as I look the look at them all really to some degree as, as almost victims of circumstance, but there are, there are some things and, and in the podcast, by no means am I giving much away because you'll find out that Tom Parker did some things that were just, just reprehensible. And certainly he, let's put it this way. He didn't help. Um, yeah. Uh, so Andrew Hickey does a podcast, the history of rock and roll in 500 songs. And I had him on the podcast about a year and a half ago, I guess. And he had just done a couple episodes on Elvis and I, and, you know, he said that, like I said, I've always had a fantasy of, or maybe a wish fulfillment that if Colonel Parker had let Elvis be in A Star is Born, and if he had done as well as I think we think he would have instead of Chris Christopherson, that that would have given Elvis a second career and maybe he would have lived a lot longer. And, um, and Andrew said, no, because if you, Elvis had a lot of chronic illness that, you know, his mother died very early. And so, yes, we hear all about the drug abuse and the self medication but a lot of that was he he did have health issues and so he isn't sure that if elvis he certainly would have lived longer than that but not long enough that like he would have been harry belafonte or you know something yeah. that long well i mean look at his father you know his father died fairly young terrible yeah. health um and his father didn't really have any of the you know dietary issues to the same degree i don't think he ate all that well but nothing like elvis you know yeah. and, and and i don't think people understand even you know they did see you know elvis in hawaii and they saw him on the singer special where he looked fabulous even somewhat later you know in his 30s but what they didn't understand is usually that was the result of crash diets that he you know he totally took speed with and everything and 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 I think the drug abuse, people don't understand that at the end, I mean, Elvis was really a full-on intravenous drug addict yeah. of opiates. And some people think, yeah, well, he got into trouble with pills and, you know, obese and all that. But Elvis was a real incredible mess who, who basically yeah. his body just eventually just gave out entirely, you know, and he, he died, I think the age was 44, maybe 42. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. certainly, certainly um, early 40s. So the there I'm re, I'm in the middle of reading a new book um deliver me from nowhere 
uh, The Making of Bruce Springsteen's Nebraska. It's by Warren Zanes. And one of the stories he talks about, it, the themes of the book, is that right after the river, Bruce was worried about being too big because he had seen what happened to Elvis and he had seen what happened to Scorsese and he had seen, you know, uh, and he had also had watched um, Badlands, you know, the the movie with uh, Sissy Spacek and Martin Sheen. And there were a lot of different factors on why he did such a quiet album. Um, and I do think that it is, we as Springsteen fans should be very grateful that for some reason he and the band have mostly skirted what a lot of problems you hear bands having. Well, like one of my favorite, and I'd, I'd agree totally. And even though, you know, I, I kind of call it, I know this will sound somewhat ridiculous, but but uh, I sort of, when he got to the board in the USA, I was sort of, friends of mine and I would call it sort of his, he, he branched out into kind of the Michael Jackson phase of his career, only where he's, you know, now he's playing 60,000 yeah, exactly. stadiums. Yet he, he, he kind of stayed, you know, the identity stayed the same. Whereas another band that I love from its, from its beginning and still kind of like him now, although I, they're a completely different entity is U2, you know, where U2 yeah. were basically rebels. And now, you know, now they're just a completely, they're kind of almost been, there's something like the Rolling Stones of Ireland, you know, and of course they all, yeah. I can't, I can't criticize and probably do the same thing, but they all live in man, you know, they have mansions all over sure. the world and the whole nine yards and you just don't, Springsteen, I think has done a great job of retaining, uh, you know, a real, a real true identity. Um, unlike yeah. many of these other folks. And if you read his autobiography, he talks about after Born in the USA and the tour and going to Tone on Love, he specifically kind of tried to bring down the fire to a certain degree of what was doing that. that that's that's pretty cool. Um, what's next for the podcast? Well, you know, I've, I've always got a list and, and I always get flack from people that I don't have enough women on there. And so the current one that I'm working on right now, which again, seems a little dry, but it's pretty, it's wild. They actually made a, a film um, in 2006, but it's uh, Marie Antoinette. Ah. And, and, you know, Marie Antoinette was basically, her mother was Maria Teresa, who in her time was, was up there with Frederick the Great and, uh, and, uh, you know, Louis the 14th is one of the preeminent monarchs in, in European history, but now she's pretty much forgotten. And Marie Antoinette, who was your youngest daughter, is a lot more famous slash notorious. But Marie Antoinette was sent to marry the basically the heir to the French throne when she was 14 years old. And in those days, Austria basically was tired of, of these really expensive wars. And so they tried to they tried to build alliances through marriage. And the story of, of Marie Antoinette and what she had to do, and, and, and she had to basically be completely absorbed by the French court. So they literally, for a year and a half, and the French, who were the preeminent European power, we're talking now about 17, seven, early 1770s, they literally, the first thing they did was send a dentist to straighten all of Marie Antoinette's teeth. Because, you know, the, the Austrians and Germans were considered to be utter, utterly crude and vulgar, and so the whole process 
of getting the then king, Louis XV, who was a, not only an uh, incredibly spendthrift, profligate monarch, but also a wild womanizer, to get him to agree for her not even to be his wife, but the wife of his, of his heir, is this incredibly year and a half long process where they had to spend all kinds of money on French clothing and this wild, wild process. And she's a 14 year old having to go through this whole thing. And, and again, not to give too much away, but it gets even wilder there. Cause then the guy she married, Louis the 16th, didn't even consummate the marriage for seven years. Mm. It's a whole other story. And he was, he was the perfect King. Cause of course he was, he was, the French revolution happened. He was executed and Louis and Marie Antoinette was also executed, but he was the perfect King for that particular perspective because his only real interests in life were eating and drinking mm. to the to pretty much he had no interest even in sex with mist because french kings were notorious for not only having wives but also a whole stable of mistresses that were even official members of the court and he even had no interest in that whatsoever wow so when you talk about lying on the couch like he was he was the perfect guy to have this huge revolution break out and really be completely unaware so Oh, her, and her role in that too is is also kind of fascinating. I'm looking forward to hearing that. That'll be yeah, great. It's, it's pretty interesting. That has yeah. a lot of, it has a lot of People magazine to it. So. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds really good. Um, so what have I not asked you that I should have, Phil? Um, oh, the one one thing I forgot that you, you know we were. I don't know if you recall, but remember that we were helping the guys load up the truck and sending them off to Phoenix. Yes, yes. And and if you go if you go to uh, if you go to YouTube, that of course they have the version of Prove It All Night from the Roxy, but there's no film, there's no video. But if you if you put in Prove It All Night Phoenix, the 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 version of that they perform the very next night. There is video of it, and you can, mm-hmm. and that's exactly. You know, I talked about that a lot in, the, in our first episode, but that's exactly the version that I saw at the Roxy. That's awesome. And so not only not only is that interesting for your listeners to know, because they can, after they hear my, me discussing that, they can, you know, they can see it in film. But it's also important to know that those those two guys actually made it to Phoenix and actually were able to set up all their equipment there, which uh, which is very reassuring to me years later watching that because. Because even though it was easy to get there, I, I was never sure whether they made it or not. So that that footage showed me that they did. That is awesome. I love that. <laughs> um, uh, all right. So give the podcast name again. Yeah, the podcast name is some very famous people you've never really heard of. Bite-sized biographies of the famous, the infamous, and the quirky. But you can go to my. It, that's pretty. That's pretty lengthy. So you can go to my uh, website. At someveryfamouspeople.com. There's a link to the, to Apple iTunes, but if you want to do a search in Apple iTunes, just put in bite size B Y T E bite sized biographies. And yeah, and I will. There's, there's over a hundred episodes right now. Yeah, I will include both links in the my show notes. So awesome. um, this was so good. I'm so glad that we were able to meet again. I had so much fun talking to you before, and now then. I, I'm so glad we got to talk about the podcast and I'm looking I, like, oh, I got to see Buddy Holly. I got to see Harry Houdini. I've got to hear Tom Parker. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm cherry picking things right away that I want to hear. So this is yeah. greatness. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. And, and it was great talking to, to you yeah. as well. And uh, I hope your listeners find it interesting. Yeah. So uh, I do not believe we asked you the Mary question last time, did we? No, you did not. And yes. I, I, I actually, you know, again, as I said, I think in the first episode, you asked me what time it is. I'll tell you how to build a grandfather yeah. clock. But in, in, when I saw him live, a lot of you know, and I think I even gave you the introduction to Thunder Road. For me, you know, that that song is not so much about does he get the girl or does the girl go with him? It's more about the overarching, does he get the dream? You know, he's basically saying to this girl, look, I, I don't have very much, but I do have a dream. I, I can play a guitar. You know, do you want to come with me on this, you know, on this long ride, wherever that lot, you know, ride leaves? And it's not, you know, it's 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 kind of the it may be the road less traveled, you know, it may be, it may be not what you perceive that you want to do, or it's, you're not, it's not like I'm a plumber or something like that. It's like, it's more, again, it's, it's sort of, are you, are you willing to take this journey with me? And of course, I think it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's sort of the, the idea. It's not so much a particular individual. It's more, is that idea, is that something that he's going to be able to you know, to, to work out in the end, the way he perceives it or what his dream is, is that really going to, going to come true? And so my sense of it is, well, yeah, in real life it did happen, but I think also, yes, the girl is just, you know, I hate to go all liberal arts on you, but the girl is more of a metaphor. And so, yes, I think he does, he, the girl, the dream does come with him and, and it's something he does get to pursue. Awesome. Great answer. Great answer. Yeah. You're welcome. Um, yes. So listeners, go check out the website. Check out the podcast. Um, it is, uh, I can't wait to explore some of these uh, people and hear the story behind the story. Phil, thank you. I, I, I had a great time visiting with you again. I hope you did. Oh, I did. It was always, always fun to talk to another podcaster and, and about this topic. It was great. It was my pleasure. Well, all right. Very good. Listeners, be kind, be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. There we go. Another episode. I'm about to go through a couple of things where you can reach me and give me feedback. Um, so if you want to skip this, I understand. But I do hope you check it out every once in a while. I'm available on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is available at SetLustingBruce. You can send me an email, setlustingbruce at gmail.com. You can send me a voicemail at 469-249-2442. I am currently doing a few other podcasts, Perfectly Good Podcast, John Hyatt from A to Z, where Sylvan Groth and I discuss every John Hyatt song in alphabetical order. My Babylon 5 podcast is Last Best Hope for Conversation, where Lou, Karen, and I discuss every episode of Babylon 5 in chronological order. I still am doing Next Stop Everywhere, the Doctor Who podcast with my brother in time, Charles Gags. And then finally, How Many Podcast, the only podcast on the internet that counts, where my buddies and I discuss pop culture. You can go to our Patreon page and support the podcast for as little as a dollar a month. You can go to our Facebook page, like, and please, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a five-star rating and review for all of the podcasts that I'm doing. It's okay if you don't listen to them, but if you subscribe and rate, it really will make my day better. 
Thank you, and I will talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one, the only, Fed Listening Bruce. The theme for Set Lessing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.